This morning we're looking at Luke chapter 6 as we continue our series entitled The Mission of the Kingdom. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus has called his disciples. They are going everywhere, healing and preaching the good news of the kingdom. And he brings them to a mountain to talk to them about another kingdom, the kingdom of this world. Luke chapter 6 is a story of two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of of this world, Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 17, and we'll read through verse 26. This is the word of God, the word of the king preached to the king's people. Verse 17 of Luke chapter 6 reads, and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and great crowd multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. All the crowds sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and revile you, spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now. For you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. The grass withers, the flower fades, but know not the word of the Lord. It stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, I was traveling through Virginia with my family. I soon discovered that we were 30 minutes from Yorktown. Yorktown, for all history lovers out there, this is the place, the end of the Revolutionary War. I was like a kid in a candy shop. I said, kids, get in the car, we're going to Yorktown. And we arrived to Yorktown tears in my eyes. We're driving down the road. There's the Moore house over there, the Nelson house, the home of Thomas Nelson, the great governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and kids over there, the Yorktown Monument, the place where we believe Lord Cornwallis surrendered to General George Washington. And in the midst of this moment, reflecting back on American history, thinking about this moment in time and culture, I turned around to see how my kids were responding to this epic moment, and they were asleep. (laughs) Asleep in the middle of Yorktown. Brothers and sisters, there are many Christians in this cultural moment who are asleep. There are many 
inside the church that are asleep with total ignorance to what is going on around them. Jesus doesn't want us to be ignorant. Jesus wants us to be very clear as his followers of what is happening around us. And so he brings his followers up on the mountain to let them know that what you see with the naked eye is not all that's at stake. That there's way more going on around you than you even realize. That there are two kingdoms and that you need to be aware and awake about the power and the patterns and the values of these two kingdoms. That yes, you live in the world, but you are called to not live of the world. You live in the kingdom of this world, but you are called to be faithful as citizens of the kingdom of God. He didn't want his people to be asleep in that cultural moment. And neither does Jesus want us to be asleep either. Jesus does us a tremendous favor by explaining to all of us the reality of the world. You see, throughout history, there has only been two kingdoms, only two options, only two cities. Throughout redemptive church history, you have either belonged to the city of God or the city of man. You've either belonged to the world or you've belonged to God. Two kingdoms, two cities, two places that have distinctively different patterns and values. And it is vital in this cultural moment that we understand what it means to live in the world, but not of the world. To live in the kingdom of this world, but understand that our citizenship is part of the kingdom of God. Paul uses the analogy of dawn. What is dawn? It's neither day nor night. And it can be confusing. But Paul says the moment you're living in in history is like the dawn. You wake up and you don't know, is the darkness increasing or is the light increasing? And Paul wants us to understand that it might seem like out there, like the darkness is winning like the darkness is increasing, but we live as if the day is coming. So get dressed. Don't go back to bed and get ready because the day of the Lord is at hand. How do you and I live as citizens of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of this world? Well, actually, I'm going to start at the second half of this passage. We only have two points today. We're getting crazy today. Not three points. Just two points. I'm going to spice it up this morning. The kingdom of this world, first, its pattern and its values. If you go to the second half of the passage that we read, Jesus outlines for us the values or the patterns of the kingdom of this world. And he introduces four values in particular. We could call them the value of power, comfort, success, and recognition. In verses 24 through 26, he introduces these four values as the values of the kingdom of this world. Power, comfort, success, and recognition. In verse 24, he says, whoa. Whoa wasn't just, whoa, look at that. Whoa was an actual condemnation. 
It was a pronouncement of judgment. And so what Jesus is saying is judgment and condemnation upon you who are rich. Now, rich in the first century did not just refer to material wealth. In the first century, there was no middle class. There was simply the haves and the have-nots. So rich was also synonymous with power, the cultural elite. So it not, not only referred to the possessions that one had, the material wealth, but it It referred to their position in society, their status. And so what Jesus is saying is those that seek power now in the temporary, what's the promise? You've already received your consolation. Jesus is saying, I hope you're happy because you've already received your prize. Jesus is saying those that seek power and dominion now in this life, enjoy it while it lasts because this is good as it's going to get. One of the markers of the value of the kingdom of this world is finding power in the here and now. But not only is it one of the values of the kingdom of this world power, but it's also comfort. Jesus says in verse 25, woe to you who are full now. Woe to those that find comfort and satisfaction in the things of this world now. Woe to you that try to find the deep satisfaction of your heart and your soul, the longings of your soul, and you try to fulfill them in the temporary things of this world What's Jesus' pronouncement? Or I should say indictment. One day you will be hungry. So enjoy it while it lasts. I hope you get as full as you can be in this world and in the temporary here and now because one day you'll be famished. The kingdom of this world seeks power and comfort in the here and now. But Jesus goes on. The second half of verse 25, woe to you who laugh now. Uh, Laughter just doesn't mean the the laughter of of, of a joke or comedy. Laughter literally means they are in the Greek to boast or to gloat. Jesus is saying, woe to those that, that boast or gloat in their successes here and now. Woe to those who boast in their resume of the in the here and now for one day. You will weep and you will mourn. And then lastly, Jesus says, woe to you when people speak well of you. Don't you love the sarcasm of Jesus? For so their fathers did so to the false prophets. I hope you love all of the accolades and all of the attention and all the recognition you get in this life. They've been doing it for centuries to the false prophets, Jesus says. These are the idols that Jesus is identifying of the values and the patterns of the kingdom of this world. Those that find power and comfort and success and recognition in the here and now. And what Jesus is saying is if you build your whole life on the temporary idols and things of this world, beware, you will be empty later. Rest assured, because these are the values and the patterns of the people of this world. You see, when you build your life on the subjective idols and vain philosophies of this world, here's what we have as a result. It's called postmodernism. 
A postmodern worldview says nothing is objective, nothing is fixed, everything is subjective. There's no objective purpose or meaning or direction or destiny in life. Everything's based on the temporary, on the here and now. And so let me tell you what our secular culture has to show for it for a postmodern worldview that rejects the values of the kingdom of God and has embraced the values of the kingdom of this world. Postmodernism has resulted in something called expressive individualism. Expressive individualism says you are not defined by a transcendent being, but you're defined by your innate emotions and your intuitions. Postmodernism has brought us the sexual revolution. Postmodern has brought us gender dysphoria. Postmodernism has brought us a loss of the sacredness of human life. Postmodernism has brought us critical social justice theories. And the list goes on and on and on. A society that is not grounded in something eternal, something that is fixed, something that is objective and absolute can only be a society that flounders because it's fixed on something that's simply subjective, on postmodern ideologies and secular worldviews. Brothers and sisters, this is the value, and these are the virtues, and this is the worldview of the kingdom of this world. And Jesus says, woe to those that embrace them. But thanks be to God that Jesus doesn't stop there, does he? He not only gives us the values and the patterns so that we would be able to wake up to what is happening in our world, the kingdom of this world, but he also presents to us the values and the patterns of the kingdom of God. If you go back to the beginning of the passage that we read, Jesus introduces to his disciples these values. And in light of understanding the values of the kingdom of this world, power and comfort and success and recognition, Jesus introduces values that are the complete reversal of what this world presents. So instead of presenting power and comfort and success and recognition, these are the values of the kingdom of God. You ready? Weakness. Who wants that? Sacrifice. You're a killjoy this morning, Rob. Grief and exclusion. Jesus says in verses 20 through 23 that these are the patterns and the values contrary to the world. These are the patterns and the values of the kingdom of God. Weakness, he says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those that realize that they have no, nothing to offer God, that they will not stand before God one day and say, God, you owe me, or God, that I've done more good than bad, or God, that I've earned my way up to the very throne of God, those that realize that they are nothing before God. Jesus says, those people will be blessed. People that realize that they have nothing, no strength, no wisdom, no power, except for the grace of God, blessed are the weak. Blessed are those who sacrifice. Blessed are those who are hungry now, as it says in verse 21 that sacrifice the worldly pleasures, that don't fill themselves with vain philosophies and the material possessions of this world that are able to selflessly sacrifice the things of this world for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, rest assured, be rest assured, one day you will be satisfied. Blessed are those who weep now. 
that even in your grieving, even in the sufferings of life, rest to be rest assured that one day you will laugh. That the people of this world, that they laugh now, they will weep later. Rest assured, you will weep now. But one day you will have uncontrollable joy and laughter in the life that is to come. And then lastly, the value of the kingdom of God is a value of exclusion. It says in verse 22, blessed are those who hate you and those that exclude you. What is Jesus saying? Blessed are those who are excluded by their family and their friends because they think you're too radical. Blessed are you who are excluded by your social networks because you operate according to the values of the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of this world. Blessed are you when you are excluded from the people of this world because they just don't understand your biblical convictions and your standards. Blessed are you who are hated because of me. And what is the promise? For your reward is great. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. This is the only thing that could give a man like Stephen, the first martyr, courage in the face of being stoned to death for standing for Christ in Acts chapter seven, it says that the heavens opened up and it says he gazed into heaven and what did he see? He saw the throne room of God and Jesus seated at the right hand of God the Father. What Stephen, the story of Stephen is declaring as he looked down at this joke of a trial. He looked down at the joke of the kingdom of this world and he saw a greater kingdom and he says, that's where my crown lies. That's where my reward is. So you can take my life. You can burn me at the stake. You can stone me, but you can't take away my crown. You can't take away my citizenship, which is fixed forever in the kingdom of God. Without this, why in the world would we selflessly sacrifice ourselves for this kingdom? Because we realize the great crown awaits all those who long for his appearing. This truly is the upside down kingdom. The kingdom of God makes no sense to the kingdom of this world. And it is our responsibility and our privilege to bring this kingdom, to advance it in the midst of a lost and dying world. Not that the world would see our greatness, but that the world would see that there is no God like our God and that all men and women would be drawn to this great God because of the distinctiveness of our lives and our willingness to lay down our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God and for the glory of his name. This is what has been turning the world upside down for 2,000 years, perplexing the world so that in such a way the world would look at us today in the 21st century and say, I don't exactly get it. I don't exactly buy what they believe. I don't simply truly understand exactly what they believe, but they live in such a way that is so countercultural and so distinctive, but so utterly beautiful that I'm attracted to it. And I wanna discover more about it. So where do we find the power Where do we find the power in the dawn, in the midst of the darkness, to live as citizens of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of this world? Well, the power is found in the good news of the kingdom. You see, Jesus, when he went from town to town, 
did not simply preach a message of countercultural values. He did not simply go town to town preaching the message of a different pattern, of a different kingdom. He did not simply go town to town talking about reversal of virtues and patterns of life. But Jesus went town to town talking about how he would reverse positions with you and me on the cross. You see, it was on the cross where Jesus wept so that you and I can live with the confidence that we can go through this dark, hard world and know that our tears and our grief will never crush us nor destroy us. That we could go through this life knowing that we could be excluded from the world, but that we would always be included in the counsel of God. That we could go through this world having people turn their face away from us, but in Jesus Christ, we would know that the Father's face would never be turned from us. You see, it is in Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel announces not just the reversal of values, but the reversal of positions that Jesus bore our grief and bore our suffering. And it's the message of the good news of the kingdom that empowers you and me to suffer well for the kingdom and the glory of God. Only two kingdoms, living for the kingdom of this world or living for the kingdom of God. I want to ask you by way of application, when is the last time you have sat down as an individual, as a couple, as parents and grandparents, and truly identified in your life the patterns and the values of your life and ask the honest question, does my life reflect more the patterns and the values of this world or more the patterns and the values of the kingdom of God? Does our life and our money and our spending and our career and our presence in the community and in this world look more like the kingdom of this world or more like the kingdom of God? Do you know him? Do you know this king? This King Jesus that not only reversed the values of this world, but also reversed positions on the cross, that if you believe in him this morning, you can be a part of a glorious community, a glorious kingdom that will have no end. Listen to me, if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there is no hope in life and in the life to come except for those that surrender fully their life, their soul, their all to this Jesus. Would you do so by faith this morning? Would you confess him as Lord and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead? The promise for you is that you too will be saved. I remember when I was a child, my mom introduced me to the great book and musical, Les Miserables. The 1862 Victor Hugo classic. And the setting is the French Revolution in the 19th century. A figure by the name of Jean Valjean who is in prison for 19 years. And when I was first introduced to Les Miserables, I thought it was pronounced Les Miserables. But I wasn't wrong. It's literally what it means. And it's a story of some miserable people living during a very miserable time. 
And at, in the story, we're introduced to another character by the name of Fantine. And she sings a most glorious song about dreaming a dream, dreaming a dream of time gone by, dreaming a dream of hope and life worth living. And at the end of that song, she says, I had a dream my life would be so different from the hell I'm living. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. Brothers and sisters, we too live in a miserable world full of very miserable people. And there are people outside those doors that deep down in their soul only think that there is a dream that will never come true, a dream that is broken, a dream of life that is only hell. And we have the privilege and the honor to go out to today and say, no, there is real hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. We are kingdom people living in the midst of a lost and dying world that are able to say that you can have the blessed life only through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we can go out today and bring real shalom and real hope and real healing to a lost and dying world because we live in the light, in the midst of darkness. We live in light of the glorious truth that the dream of dreams has come true. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, may we live in the dawn, living in the dawn, knowing that the day is coming, knowing that the light is beginning to rise, not falling asleep as if darkness will prevail. May we live as citizens of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of this world with all of its tensions and all of its temptations. May we not buy into the lies of the values of this world, which as Jesus says, only brings condemnation, only brings loss, only brings death, only brings emptiness. But may we live in the light as children of the light, Understanding that our citizenship is not of this world, but of a greater kingdom. And may we too look up like Stephen looked up, and may the joy and the fulfillment of that future kingdom, the consummated kingdom that will one day come, may we live in light of that future fulfillment. For the hope of the world to be a light to the nations, so that our children and our grandchildren and the generations that come after us would look at us in the 21st century and said, those men and women made a decision to faithfully follow after you, Lord Jesus Christ, saying no to the world and yes to Jesus. May we be considered years from now, the men and women who faithfully answered the call in light of the joy that was set before Jesus, that he laid down his life so we could lay down our lives sacrificially for the sake of the kingdom of God, full flourishing of this world, bringing light in the midst of darkness. 
for your glory, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.